0: Hello and welcome to the Bearded Tits Podcast, I'm your host Jack Perks and today I've got Sarah Roberts on the show. We're going to be talking about her book Somebody's Followed Stanley which deals with plastic pollution, her work with large predators such as bull sharks and how she actually got bitten by a shark as well but first we're going to look at the news. Now I tend to gravitate towards more sciencey, kind of more interesting news pieces but I have to admit this one really caught my eye and this was the story of some parrots in a Lincolnshire Zoo that were separated because they were swearing too much and they were setting each other off. So these were five African grey parrots, Billy, Elsie, Eric, Jade and Tyson, sound like troublemakers, and very quickly they taught, or one of them knew how to swear, taught the others how to swear, and they were telling visitors uh, to fuck off quite regularly. Now no one complained about this, but the zoo thought it was best to separate the parrots so they don't stir each other up and that they can stop telling the public to, to fuck off. So <laughs> I thought quite a nice little news piece rather than the normal doom, doom and gloom. The park is also home to a parrot called Chico, uh, who knows lots of pop songs, including Beyoncé's If I Were a Boy. So they've got some interesting parrots at Lincoln Zoo so probably worth worth checking them out. Anyway, on to today's guest, Sarah Roberts. She works in the wildlife filmmaking industry. She is an advocate against plastic pollution and she's a very keen vlogger and it was great to just have a catch-up with her. So here's our chat. Well, thanks for joining the podcast, Sarah.
1: Oh, you're welcome, anytime.
0: No worries. Have you got uh, Blue Shark Blues since a couple of couple of weeks ago?
1: Well, not really, because I don't know what I'm missing out on at the moment. <laughs> didn't really see any, did we? So.
0: No, no, we... So me and Sarah met uh, only a few weeks ago, really, on a, on a boat, um, Lizzie Daly and a few others, kind of a, a weird chance of everyone being on there. And we were trying to do blue sharks, uh, but they just, the weather was fantastic. It was a lovely trip, but they just weren't playing ball, were they?
1: I think they like the uh, choppy weather better, it turns Must
0: out.
1: Great tan anyway, great tan, and the minky whales, so, you know, not yeah, all bad.
0: Yeah, no, I can't moan, because we did see whales and dolphins and stuff, so it's it's not like it was uneventful, was it?
1: Yeah, the second-class citizens of the sea were there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, speaking of the sea and, and things like that, you're pretty well known for your work on plastics in the in the ocean. So I'd say Blue Planet 2 was a real wake-up call for many people. And what you've tried to do is get kids to understand this issue through a book called Somebody Swallowed Stanley. So how did that come about?
1: 2013, actually. Um, so I used to... Uh, I used to work in chart research off the back of uni. Um, so I was uh, living on a little remote Island in the Bahamas and, um, I, uh, you know, I sort of became a bit more aware when you're out in these remote places of different environmental issues that are affecting them. And, um, one of the biggest things that we saw, you know, after a bad storm or anything like that, um, was plastic washing up on the beaches. So I sort of like stuck around there for a while until I got bit, came back home. I had to, um, that up and um, started an outreach project at the same time while I was sort of staying out the water. That's when I started visiting schools with different environmental issues, especially ones that have been done to death, I would say, and reduce, reuse, recycling those three words uh, they've been shunted around since I was at school and they've never really changed the way they taught them. Um, I was kind of looking for a new way of approaching the subject that would be fun and interesting for the kids and not terrifying because yeah. <laughs> like, once you you know we all know now once you sort of uh, open that pandora's box of plastic pollution it's uh it's deep and dark and scary and uh, yeah. yes, confusing. Yeah, I basically, I used to, uh, while I was at uni, actually I used to be an education officer at uh, Blackpool Zoo and and um, part of what we did there was interactive stories for the kids. So I knew that stories were a great way of engaging, especially younger children on topics and sort of slyly, subliminally getting in these yeah. life lessons. So I kind of used like uh, the old training I had and then the new knowledge I had and combined it and yeah, Somebody Swallowed Stanley, the original copies were out in 2014. And I had all these grand ideas at the time, you know, I'll put one in every every M&S shop will have one you know the 5p charges coming in this is brilliant I can sit at the counter with uh, Stanley's better looking cousin a bag for life and you know what they'll snap it up but as you say plastic pollution wasn't such the hot topic then as it it was now yeah Uh, it's
0: definitely kicked off so you were ahead of the game really
1: yeah, I mean I wouldn't say ahead of the game because uh, the research on plastic in the oceans is decades old. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and and that that really illustrates to me, you know, the the delay we have um between science and then the communication of that to the general public. And um yeah, that's kind of the area in which I work now and the the bridge I'm I'm trying to build to to make that process a bit quicker but yeah, so so the first books came out. It was a, a totally different version of the one you see now. I illustrated it for a start and uh, sold that in the UK and abroad for a little while, mostly directly to schools. And then I was minding my own business in Cape Town one day and got wind of a huge campaign by Lad Bible that I was asked to be involved in, which was their Trash House campaign. Um, all right,
0: of, of all people, Lad Bible
1: lad bible yeah before blue planet came out yeah right, so so they they did a huge campaign it was actually launched by ross kemp of all people um this is such a
0: random collection of people
1: (laughs) oh yeah yeah and and uh, judy judy dent i think also supported it at the time um and it was uh yeah it, it was really good they, because they have a totally different audience, I suppose, than yeah, 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 necessarily yeah. the Blue Planet audience. I mean, the percentage of 18 to 30s that actually subscribe to Lab Bible around the world is phenomenal. So they actually, they got real traction on that. And basically what they did was there's a, they took one of the Gaia's, the ocean Gaia's, and they, um, they wanted to declare it as its own country Um, So they had people signing up to be a resident of the trash aisles, they called it. And if you signed up to be a resident, they even had like a fake passport and everything. If you have enough residents of a country, then the UN has to accept it as a country. And if there is a problem within that country, the UN then has a responsibility to clean it up. Uh, so it was it was a bold media move. It, yeah. They did actually get some feedback from the UN. It was acknowledged. Um, and it did really well. It won a few awards, actually. So I worked a little bit with them in terms of being the ambassador and sitting there on panel talks alongside Ross and other people wondering what my life had, uh, <laughs> what twists and turns had happened there. And then, um, yeah, so it was clear that plastic was obviously definitely going to be a hot topic and then a few months later blue planet came out and that was it that was me stuck in the uk for a year <laughs>
0: <laughs> twists yeah. and turns that get you to these places are just bonkers aren't uh, they
1: <laughs> amazing yeah and of course you always think you're you know you're slamming your head against the wall before that and you're just failing but that was actually the start of 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 where i am now i guess because yeah. um scholastic took the book on and and stanley's been published by them and it it, you know it's improved vastly since the one i did it's hannah peck's done the illustrations and um we've we've sold quite a lot actually in this country and abroad and it's absolutely sort of mind-boggling to just see like kids memorizing the text and using it and you're like oh, this is, uh, this is actually useful. I hoped it would be useful, but look at them. They're, they're using it, so it must have done all right. Yeah, so it's that, cool, yeah. That,
0: that's always the bonus, isn't it? And, and what's it like uh, writing for kids then? Because obviously it's not like you can put, well, don't be a cunt, don't chuck rubbish in the sea. You can't do that in a kid's book, or you'd be frowned upon if you did that in a kid's book. <laughs> so like, how, how do you put it in a way that's not preachy to kids, but makes them want to do it?
1: well i mean i i don't aim it at kids for a start right I aim it
0: okay, at okay
1: so for me when i wrote "Somebody Swallowed stanley it was a very much in a, a tongue-in-cheek sarcastic manner for it was a, and i think actually the follow-on books are also written in the same manner when they come out um don't know when that'll be it's a long process publishing but yeah. um they uh Yeah, there's sort of a narrative in my head that is the most sarcastic voice possible, and that's the one that works well with children. So, I mean, Stanley... So when I started writing Stanley, it was, you know... Stanley... Uh, well, other jellyfish had magical, glowing colours all over their body. Stanley had a logo, and while some jellyfish had to swim all day and all night, Stanley could float around merrily. You see, Stanley was no ordinary jellyfish, and that's sort of like your prequel. It goes into it, but yeah, it's it's just pure sarcasm. The more sarcastic, the better, really.
0: You, you should do an audio book.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I could probably recite it from 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 scratch now. So I've yeah. I must have done it about two hundred times. It's uh, somebody should just get sneak in there and steal it. Maybe you could sort me out. <laughs>
0: I may well, yeah. I mean, you, you definitely won't want me reading it. But I mean, if you get your, your uh, best Saki voice on, that would be uh, that would be. Great. I feel
1: like you you need somebody, you know, like a sort of Ricky Gervais or someone to do it better. Yeah,
0: he'd be perfect, <laughs> actually, wouldn't he? Yeah, some yeah, definitely. I agree with that. <laughs> So when you're not writing books, you've worked with some pretty impressive predators. And I remember we we had a brief chat on the boat about uh, all of this and you've done uh, all kinds of stuff. So I remember, so David, David Miller on the boat, the artist, he delighted in telling me about your scar. And I know you're, <laughs> you know, and, and cause it's not the sort of thing that naturally you, you bring up, but he was like, Oh, <coughs> uh, Sarah, look at Sarah's scar. And, and then you obviously showed me this. So before we're about to get in the water with sharks, you've got this big uh, bite mark
1: stay away from the pointy ends
0: <laughs> yeah exactly but i mean i but the story behind that is that it's not it wasn't like it was um It was an accident wasn't it it wasn't uh, an attack oh yes
1: um yeah no um i mean what you've got to remember uh when you work with any wild animal especially in, in a constant situation where you're constantly handling a wild animal and constantly sort of mithering it really because you know they don't understand what's going on they don't understand that they're going to be released shortly you're just taking a measurement you know accidents happen I think I was back number 56 at the at the lab when I got bitten, uh, which I didn't know until after. But yeah, I had a, a sort of small slip up with one of the one metre lemon sharks that had got itself caught in a gill net. And um, our tactic, you know, because it turned itself into tonic immobility. So if a shark turns itself upside down, its breathing slows down and it you know goes into a bit of a trance-like state and it can actually die because it doesn't get enough oxygen in its blood. So our tactic was always turn them the right way up and then you know walk with it in front of you so I'm studying my bikini waist deep in water it's a beautiful tropical island wandering along with this shark just in front of me and
0: taking it for a walk you know
1: yeah one one minute I'm holding the shark and the next minute I look down he's holding me too <laughs> and I'm like oh you know fuck basically the amount of <laughs> yeah. profanities that came out of my mouth at this point um and uh you know, it's a bit of a car crash moment. So there's a bit of you at the time where you're sort of thinking, I wonder if anybody actually noticed. So you're like, first things first, did anyone notice my friend is in the background running over Gilnet with the, with the boat, just like trying to grab, grab all the radio? And Deuce was like, okay, you yeah, haven't got away with that. I wonder if it broke the skin. Maybe it didn't break the skin. I sort of wiggled my fingers and then I looked down and it's just. <laughs> blood oh, everywhere no. yeah, that was just the corner of its mouth so big life lesson uh, there you know you never stay at, stay too close to the pointy ends <laughs> yeah.
0: so lemon, lemon sharks have got i always imagine lemon sharks as having like suckers they're they they're proper proper teeth then they've got yeah, the equipment
1: yeah, so you're thinking of a nurse shark. So nurse Oh, shark,
0: I am. Um, yes. They okay. have
1: the like really flat plates. Um, right. Lemon sharks got sharp, non-serrated teeth. They're basically uh, like pointy daggers. Okay. Uh, very sharp, in fact.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you you obviously know better better than most people. I I don't know if I have shown you on the boat. It's really pathetic compared to yours. But I've got a scarf from a pike, on my yeah. Uh, know, on also my big
1: teeth. They have
0: got big teeth. Yeah. I mean, it's only a little it was one that it was it'd been caught and then we were releasing it and they've also got serrated uh, gill rakers so the way you hold yeah. pike is you put your hand in the gills and if you don't do it right then you can get quite a nasty cut and they've got an anticoagulant in there uh on oh that stops
1: it from cut. oh you yeah. piss
0: blood blood absolutely <laughs> everywhere um so it's a really tiny scar and i don't like showing people because it's it does look like look at my tiny scar but um not yet it is it's a no, story it is a story and it's yeah you know people always ask about fish ever got me and one one did get its own back on me but.
1: well i mean i think that's the the biggest issue with animals particularly fish uh when you do get got it's not so much the actual bite itself it's the the, the stuff growing on their teeth yeah. that can be the problem yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah it was a great time to find out there's no doctor on the island when i was there
0: ah just a little- <laughs> pour vodka on it or something like that and sterilize it
1: very much so yeah every three <laughs> hours just as strong as alcohol you can find and just hope you don't get gangrene
0: yeah <laughs> that's just the all we is, all we can hope for in life
1: one one straight course of antibiotics as well so <clears throat> you're you in a situation where it's basically you've just you, you can't drink the alcohol so you may as well just use it wisely on your arm instead
0: well, yeah, you know, don't want to waste it, do you? So if you can't, you can't drink it, then yeah, bung it, bung it on a shark wound, uh, yeah. a bite wound. Uh, are you ever worried then when you're in the water because you're with? I say you're with these things like alligators and bull sharks. Is there a part of you maybe worries the wrong word? I suppose respect might be a better word, but or are you? Oh, no efficient?
1: worries, bang on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes yeah more so now than than it used to be absolutely there's no there's no disneyland effect for me anymore i'm very <laughs> much aware that these are not trained and this isn't a ride and you know they might just decide at some point that they don't want me in there and they're a lot bigger and a lot better adapted for their surroundings than i am you know and that that's a respect that i carry with all creatures particularly humans um, but yeah no it's something you've got to be aware of any remote remote place you're working in And there's a little maths equation going on in your head sometimes when you're in that situation where you're constantly looking at, like, okay, if that happens and that happens, how do we get to a hospital? Where's the nearest? I mean, a great friend of mine illustrates the point like in the middle of lockdown, one of my mates, Francesca Trotman, who's the founder of Love the Oceans over in Mozambique, she stayed out for the whole of lockdown good friend we call each other every day just to keep her sane she's living in this beach hut and just rubbing in my face constantly that the surf and the swell everything's amazing there except this one day I get a text at two in the morning and she's like um, mate I've just stood on this do you think it's going to be a problem she sends me this photo and it's this little tiny scorpion with a very thick tail and very slim small pincers
0: ah uh, no
1: and, uh, I like looking at it I'm thinking, oh no, because I know she doesn't have travel insurance with COVID right now and I know that the hospital's so far away and I know that any number of things could happen between then and now because as I'm Googling it and she's Googling it, it sort of looks as if it's the only deadly, (laughs) only deadly scorpion in the area and the pair of us are sort of trying to feel our way through the problem and luckily she managed to wake up one of the, uh, one of her friends on the resort who... Kindly picked her up and drove her for I think three hours to the nearest medical centre to find out it was exactly that scorpion, but luckily hadn't injected its venom very quiet very still car journey but she thought he was just tired but actually in his head he was thinking she was about to get a leg chopped off so oh my god <laughs> yeah, there's a very real possibility when you're in remote locations that you know when it goes wrong it goes really wrong yeah um, and and you know and I've had a few other situations um, in my time particularly there was one with a friend of mine that had a head, head injury just shortly after I got bitten in the same island and you know, that's the first I ever knew that post-concussion syndrome was a was a, was a thing. Um, so, I've since done quite a lot of um, first aid courses. I need to actually renew my wilderness first responder course, but yeah, it's good to have.
0: Yeah, definitely, and it's okay. Something you don't think about. I mean, I remember um, looking just before we did the the shark trip. There was a thousand pound mako court, like two or three days before we were out there, and
1: yeah, biggest I- one.
0: Oh my God. And again, like David seemed to delight in reminding me every five minutes, a, you know, bloody great big Mako somewhere out there. And he was like, oh, you know, if, if it got you, you wouldn't be able to do much. And I was like, oh, cheers. You know, that's great. I really want to think about in the bloody water. But I think, um, as,
1: I think as we said on the boat, though, there's worse ways to go. I'd take a shark attack yeah, any day for a bear attack.
0: That's true. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had a great conversation. Yeah, definitely. I think if you were going to go yeah a shark would be the way you'd bleed out pretty quick wouldn't you whereas a bear would just yeah not yeah. be good not i mean be good yeah it's
1: a, that's a long drawn out yes if it's yes i mean the animals worst animals to be eaten by it should be a list maybe we should scale these at some point maybe
0: that's a podcast <laughs> for another day where we just go about the horrendous <laughs> ways different animals could finish you off and we could do a top 10 I think it's days.
1: got legs yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> definitely I think, so. and you've you've also done some bits on TV, haven't you? You've done you've got quite a varied career, which are, which I quite like because I'm similar myself, where I do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you're the same. And you've been a yeah. A researcher on uh was it chasing monsters did you mention was that the fishing chasing case?
1: monsters yes yeah. yeah so um cyril and his team yeah so i've worked with with those guys i was lucky enough to um get out to tahiti with them actually um for one of their episodes in the new series which is just airing in america right now um so that was a that was a really fun um position to be in and um I'm lucky to still uh, be working with them now on their, on their new show that's, um, that's going to come out. Can't say too much about that. No, okay. Um, okay. But yeah, no, it's a, a lot of fun, great team, real fun guys to work with.
0: Yeah, it's been going a while. That series hasn't it? I seem to remember it's been on. Is it National Nat Geo? Isn't it? Is there a Nat Geo series?
1: Nat Geo, Netflix, um, oh, Animal Netflix. Planet. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, yeah, you can see it in the UK on Netflix. Oh, um, great. Okay. I think it was season five. I think that uh, that they've just just put oh, out there yeah. now.
0: I've caught yeah. the odd episode. Yeah, I seem to remember him catching a catfish in Paris once, and you can see like the Eiffel Tower in the background. He's catching this bloody great big catfish out there. It
1: sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, on on the theme of you doing lots of different things, you also do uh, quite a few vlogs. So Mm -hmm. what would you say is the advantage to doing that rather than, say, something more traditional, uh, a more traditional mean of communication, like, say, an article or a lecture? Is it just that a a vlog's more, not more Um, modern, but, you know, more...
1: Personable. I would say it's more personable. Okay. Um, So... Uh, it's quite interesting because I, I do sort of different types of filming now. Um, so I, I tend to, um, like the, the biggest uh, film that we've made this year is Iceland's Green Machine that will be coming out later. Um, and that's with Berghaus and Blacks. And I tend to work with the camera guy now. So a lot of the time with sharp Man Dan. I don't know if you've heard of him, but... Um, uh, yeah, with... yeah, I
0: do know Dan. Yes. He, li- he listens to this podcast, actually
1: oh hi Dan <laughs> uh, yeah awful yeah. should have a camera guy you never want to work with him no. no
0: I've heard that
1: great guy great guy um yeah so um I um yeah I've done done quite a lot with camera guys but then I've also done quite a lot where it's self-shot where it's vlog style like you're saying and for me um the, the vlogs have the advantage of of being more in the moment more authentic uh, a lot more personable um I I self-taught myself um, on how to present on that style. Um, Basically, I I started my vlogs when I was in South Africa working with dwarf mongoose in the bush. And it was the only thing that kept me sane because I was out walking around, you know, on my own with a pepper spray um, and just looking at these bloody mongooses from sun up till sundown. And sometimes not even finding them, just sort of walking along and then you just hear whoop, 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 whoop. And there's a zebra running out in front of you instead, or you know, loads of crunching on the leaves, and oh, there's a giraffe, and you know, so it was a really cool spot, and, and to document that, that's when I started doing the yeah, the vlogs, and I would sort of film as much of my day as I could, and then playing it back and sort of editing it in my head and critiquing my own style just to keep myself sane in between. And um, yeah, that, that process for me is nice because it's such a simplistic, quick turnaround. It's when you start getting all technical um, that, for me, production becomes a lot slower of a process because <laughs> you become more critical and they want more yeah. shots. And then, the, you know, the editing process is a lot longer. And, you know, sometimes, um, for me, that's when the fun is comes out of it. But that's yeah. also when the best time is to, have to sort of work with editors and professionals. And it's, yeah. a, it's a different kind of product that you're creating there. Um, but, yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, the kind the the vlogs as well. They're not as um, they don't have to be as clean cut, do they? Like you know nah. when you see people doing stuff for Instagram or YouTube, it's not like it's not Blue Planet Steadicam drone stuff. It's just hold the camera up and just gets, you know stuck in, isn't it?
1: it yeah, I mean that's the for me a, a good traditional vlog is is supposed to be a bit more like you know. rough and ready (laughs) yeah that's where i love to be rough and ready but
0: um
1: no i i'd say actually right now my absolute favorite platform is instagram stories um no editing you just you know it's on there for 24 hours if you've made a total tit of yourself it's gone um but also you've got this perfect opportunity to put content out in now time um you know like instant and and record the moments as they happen um, and that you don't then have to think about going back and editing. And you don't have to have the pressure of, oh, I've got to post so many times a day. I mean, I've always been inconsistent with that. It's my biggest downfall because it just takes the absolute fun out of it. But for me, yeah. Instagram stories is just a, a real great banterous platform for me to work on. I enjoy it a lot.
0: <laughs> I, I never used to use Instagram that much. And then I only started doing stories in the last year or so. But I, I do really like it, but I only tend to do it I don't plan them I just do it off off the cuff and I tend to do it if I'm bored so I yeah. might be out and I'm like I've got I've got a bit of time I'll cook something up but yeah I think some people have just mastered it and I think it's great They'd, they kind of know their algorithms and the hashtags and whatever but it just tends to be like I've got a, an hour to kill let's let's talk about you know whatever a trout or something and see how see, it goes
1: for me it's more like the phone is my friend yeah. um and the you know the vlog camera is my mate so it's it's almost like I'm just sharing a, a situation that's happening with my mate so I can yeah. take the mickey out of anyone in front of me and share it with them yeah um, so it's, it's a different dynamic I think for me vlogging compared to them I mean I still like to have a bit of banter with my camera guys but um yeah it's a there's a, you know, and there's different levels. It's, a, it's a very similar to publishing, you know, you self-publish, you cut it out quickly and do it in the way that you want, rough and ready, but at least it's out to market and it gets the job done. But, you know, when you send that off to someone else and they pull it apart and they have a whole team of professionals pulling it apart and then they put all of their input in, you know, what, what you get maybe at the end of it is probably a more polished quality product that's, you know, a bit more expensive and lasts a lot longer. Uh, yeah. But it, you know, it just depends what, what you're creating for.
0: Yeah, well, and, and I think the other thing is, you get people who follow you on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, and they feel like they know you because of those more personal things. And yeah. if you if you ever do get to meet them, I mean, I've had it before. Where people have come up to me, uh, I just, I, not that people come up to me that often. I just I don't, No, I'm not, no, not no! Big. Don't you dumb it not... down
1: now? Come
0: on! <laughs> I'm not yeah, one of those. All the
1: time, you've got photos in your back pocket. Haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> signed. They're and already people. signed. Absolutely. I, just, yeah, I yeah. hand them
0: out to anyone. Uh, no, but like. If uh, if you get that and someone just they you're like oh, I'm sorry who are you and they're like oh well I follow you on bloody like all oh, right but they they feel like they're, you're a friend almost because they get to mm. see all those all those yeah
1: of stuff. it's it's a really odd moment where you quickly question in your head going oh god oh god oh god where do I know them from how do I know oh. them I don't know the name do I know the name should I know the name oh no I no, know, I no know. um Um, but I'm terrible yeah.
0: with that really bad hey hey, oh, buddy same. hey buddy is my go to hey man hey hey Bud, hey you pal
1: mate yes yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah all Definitely. of them i use them all <laughs> you, have to, you
0: have to you if you you know you've yeah. been there um, i like the
1: trick of of just sort of um having a friend with you and just being like oh hey this is dan and then just pretending that you've forgotten to introduce them by their name and just turn around while they go sorry who are you and
0: you ah uh, that's
1: the that's the way to do it
0: that is i should is that from a is that from a program i seem to remember that being on extras or something
1: I don't know, but it it's It might be. Maybe you've just come way. about
0: that organically, but yeah. It um, is
1: the standard way that I do it, so... so you're a, you a pro know. at
0: this then. You know you know all the tricks.
1: When you're so bad with names and faces, <laughs> you've got to adapt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, definitely. Uh, well, look, I'm going to end on this last question. So go, going back to plastics, what can people do to help with the amount of plastics ending ending up in the sea? For a nice, nice easy question to, uh, um, to end... <laughs>
1: personally i would worry about um consumer choices so it all comes down to um how we consume so using less of everything across the board don't don't worry about not using plastic or not using this not using about that i think it's just should be a simple question of do i need this you know let's dumb it right down do i need this is this is this a bad idea is it wasteful and then ask yourself right and how am i going to dispose of it and you know the there's there's been a flaw in our our system where our our recycling has perhaps not been as efficient as we'd hoped it would be um but the pressure's on the government and you've got to have faith that um on an industry level and and on a uh, you know on a legislation level that that's going to improve that's something that one person on their own can't improve but what you can do is is just ask yourself a simple question like do i actually need this was
0: it that did you watch the extinction thing that was on telly not too long ago um was it i
1: i haven't seen it is that you not?
0: no 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 well
1: depress myself if i can help it it is
0: it is a bit depressing but i thought and i thought this is where you were coming to but you've you've said it anyway but what it said on that there was a, a professor or a professional or something and he said, uh, we're consuming twice the amount that we were, say, 20 years ago. But are we any less happy? Were, 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 yeah. we, any, were we any less happy 20 years ago? And like, well, no, yeah. probably not. We were just as happy, but we're consuming more. So I think that's a really valid point
1: um, yeah. That, yeah. that you mentioned there. There is definitely like it's a convenience culture, but it's also, you know, we are absolutely sold so many things all the time like just exposed to so many adverts that all tell us we're not we're not quite good enough um without this that and the other um so you know it's it's a tricky one isn't it and i think it also there there needs to be something to monitor that especially for like young adults and kids and people that aren't able to see through the greenwashing or the bullshit um because it's dangerous you know it is dangerous
0: yeah no definitely i I had a a letter not well like a leaf that come through my door the other day, and there's like a a milkman that started up again, like proper kind of glass bottles, and they'll bring you all, all sort of, and I thought oh, that's yeah. a really good idea, and I think there's almost like a renaissance of stuff like that um kind of going around a lot of areas now, so I'm thinking about changing to that and just cutting down on bits and yeah, yeah not... there's
1: definitely like a, a fantasy about the past uh, um you know we we are sort of putting all of the the, the things that once were seen as an inconvenience are now suddenly seeming as actually, that's probably the goal there. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I I think that's definitely the case there. Well, look, it's been fantastic talking to you, Sarah, and catching up again about plastic sharks and all kinds of other <laughs> weird and wonderful stuff. So yeah, thanks.
1: no worries. It was a pleasure.
0: Yeah. Cheers. We'll take thanks care. Thanks for having me. Cheers. <laughs> that was Sarah Roberts. I love the mixed bag of things that she's done absolutely everything, and how casually she talks about uh, subjects. You know, you listen to the podcast, she'll go, uh, oh, I got bit by a shark. Really nonchalant, like that's just what happens to everyone. And uh, I think that's great, I I love that about her. So, fantastic to chat. Now, if you've been inspired to try and make a difference, the list today is gonna be top five things you can do to reduce plastic. So, I'm sure you know a lot of things already, but here's a few more ideas. So, at number one, it's get a reusable coffee cup. I feel like everyone would know this one now, anyway. But around 2.5 billion coffee cups are thrown away every year in the UK alone. That's 7 million a day, and less than 1% of these can be recycled, meaning most spend up to 50 years in a landfill after lasting just minutes in your hand. So, that's a crazy situation to be in. Now, most coffee outlets now offer a discount when you use your own cup, and most of them are are happy for you to use them, and there's loads of eco-friendly options that you can get out there. So definitely get yourself a little coffee cup or or tea, whatever you wanna keep in it, and to keep that around with you, keep it in your car, keep it in your bag, whatever. They're well worth having. Since Blue Planet, we're obviously a little bit more aware of all these things, and I think straws are one of the ones that have really been hit hard because straws are ending up in our oceans, and they're an easy one to fix. You don't need a straw you know I know maybe if you wear lipstick or whatever it's a little bit easier to use but just don't use a straw just drink it out if you do want to use a straw then you can get those metal uh, metal straws which I think are a better option certainly better than plastic but just just sip your drinks don't use a straw so ditch cling film it's another one of those products that you're using for seconds and then it's going to end up in the environment for a very very long time so unlike uh, cling film that cannot be recycled, foil is recy- recyclable, however foil does have some of its own problems in that mining metals and, and, and whatnot. Uh, there are alternatives though, for example bee wax wraps uh, are more usable, they're 100% cotton, pine resin, uh, oil and local bee wax so they're natural and environmentally friendly. You can of course just put your food in little tiny tubs and things like that. So there's always ways around it. But cling film, foil to a lesser degree, are, are a bit of a problem. So something that we can do without. Now I was surprised to learn that tea bags are actually a, an issue, I because I, I love a cup of tea. But people are encouraging us to use loose leaf tea now with a tea strainer instead of tea bags, because they're actually sealed with plastic. So loose, I'm not really giving the loose leaf tea a go. I should, uh, something I'm not guilty of. Um, PG tips are actually bringing in biodegradable tea bags. So that is something that's coming in um, and something to be aware of. So changing your tea habits might be something to consider as well. And the last one, and I, and I mentioned this briefly in the podcast too, Sarah, and that is going back to the milkman. Consider getting your milk delivered in glass bottles, which are reused and recycled instead of a plastic pint many milk rounds also offer fruit juices too so there are lots of things that you can do in there it's a bit more environmentally friendly so that's five things for you to consider anyway there's a a whole myriad of other subjects that you can do to help the environment anyway that brings me to the end of today's podcast hopefully you've enjoyed this one next week i'm going to be joined by celtic reptile and amphibian who is harvey tweets and tom whitehurst and it's actually going to be the first podcast i've done where i'm in person with them we're socially distanced but we're in their living room and we're having a chat about the work that they do trying to restore uh, lost species of amphibians and reptiles to the uk and also keeping european species outdoors in a uk climate so it's a fascinating podcast and two really talented young guys who are working on that as always check out the wildlife exposed tv channel uh, that's got the highlights of all these podcasts and give us a follow on at titbearded. Let me know what you think as well to uh, the top five. Do you think it's working? Would you rather something different? Just give me a little comment and let me know. This has been the Bearded Tits Podcast. I've been your host, Jack Perks, and I will see you in the next one. Cheers.